Hello. While we're on, bunker to bunker. <laughs> it's a brave new world, and I'm not feeling very brave in it. All right. Everybody good? Well, I'm very glad you asked that question. I up. Uh, up. Uh, and uh, up, up. All right. All right. Terrific. Well, let's start. Welcome to Phil and Ted's Sexy Boomer Show with your hosts, Phil Proctor and Ted Bonnet. Phil and Ted's guest today is Phil's fellow Firesign Theater legend, David Osmond. And now, your sexy boomer hosts, Phil Proctor and Ted Bonnet. Welcome to Phil and Ted's Sexy Boomer Show, special edition Bunker to Bunker. Hi, Phil. Hi, we're all hunkering in our bunkering. How are you feeling? I'm feeling fine, but I'm <clears throat> I'm facing a decision today. What's that? Uh, which is to go with my darling wife, Melinda, to a uh, workout session with our trainer at our private uh, uh, gym. It's not even a gym, a private session place or whatever it is. And the way that they're, they're doing it now is that a trainer uh, and, and a customer or two customers go in one at a time, work out, and then leave. And everything is wiped down between you know, a usage, and I'm debating whether I should do it or not today. Well, you know, you're both at risk, and I, I don't know. I, I... Yeah, but how much at risk? See, that's the thing. Well, let's let's introduce David. Who, who's David? Yeah, who's David? Who is that guy? Our very, very special guest today is David Osman, another member of the Firesign <laughs> Theater. Survivor, I think, is the word. Yes, yes. How's your bunker, David? Ah, uh, Ted, our bunker is beautiful. We couldn't go home. We came to back to Whidbey Island uh, from Kansas City, and we came via uh, uh, Uber, ferry boat, I mean everything. So we've been uh, confined in our little uh, and wonderful uh, friend's cabin for a couple of weeks, and we probably have a little longer here. Uh, uh, my son Preston and his girlfriend Allie uh, are occupying our house. And because they had just come back from uh, New York and Mexico City, they had to get past their two weeks of confinement. Whoa. So we've been uh, uh, passing things with gloves and uh, and sanitizers and UV light. We spray, we got everything with UV light. And uh, we're quite actually quite comfortable, but we miss our cat and we miss our home and we, you know, miss our deck and <laughs> miss our clothes because we're here with, what we, <laughs> we, we're here with what we took to Kansas City. And uh, hmm. so then we, we, we get back from, we get back from Kansas City and here we are in isolation. And You're not I'm, in Kansas anymore. Uh, not definitely not in Missouri anymore either. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you leave from Kansas when you leave from Kansas City. Oh, they remember us from the Cowtown Ballroom, man. They oh, remember yeah. us in Kansas. That's Firesign Theater. We, yeah. yeah, we performed at this great yeah, venue. And, and, and you, yeah, many years ago. It's classic, a the great Midwest rock and roll venue, Cowtown. Yeah. Ballroom. Yeah, that was that was a, that was a great gig. Anyway, um, we came back and we took a look at everything around us, and suddenly, the expression began to appear on uh, on uh, on the web. Beat the Reaper. We thought, Beat the Reaper. Yeah. Everybody can use that. Stay at home. Beat the Reaper. And uh, so we thought, Oh, we'll do a bumper sticker. We'll do a, a thing with that. 
Mm-hmm. So our friend Max Koltakanikos, who's a really a fine artist, asked me, said, well, why don't we commission this artist to do us a uh, a, a reaper, a something to make this happen. Yeah, a reaper logo. And uh, a, reaper, a reaper logo. And uh, and he did very quickly do it. And uh, uh, we sent it to you. And you said, oh, that's really scary. Yeah, yeah it is we're scary. offering two versions of it, one with a coronavirus bozo nose. I like that. I, I just saw that today. <laughs> I thought that was a perfect touch. Well, you know, yeah. I, we wouldn't have done it without my lifelong collaborator, Mr. Phil Proctor, on the other edge. If he hadn't said, put a nose on it. Put a nose on it. When in doubt, put a nose on it. To explain, what are we referencing when you're saying Beat the Reaper? Where does it come well, from? Well, it comes from our very first album, from uh, Waiting for the Electrician, which puts uh, the character P through who arrives in a in a place and has his loses his passport and gets passed through one terrible experience after another after another after another and finally ends up on a television show called Be the Reaper. Last week our patient successfully survived the common cold, measles, pneumonia, dengue fever, and the yaws. And now the big question. Are you ready to go on? Where? He's ready! Our topless nurse, Judy, is wheeling our patient into the isolation ward. Can you hear me in there? Okay, let's shoot him up. Now, patient, you have ten seconds to tell us what you've got and beat the Reaper! I'm, I'm turning yellow. My, my God, I've got jaundice. Jaundice it is! Give it to Symptom six. And now you've reached the final threshold. Here's the question. Are you ready for symptom number seven? Longer than any patient has ever survived before. I want to go home. Only one way to do that. Doctor, bring in the super shot. Now, for the first time on Beat the Reaper, we're going for the big disease. The icebox is being unlocked by the president of the Armenian Medical Association, under whose strict supervision these toxins are being administered. This is it. Doctor, give him that really big disease. Now, patient, can you hear me? You've got ten seconds to tell us what you've got. And for the last time... Beat the Reaper! I feel... I think I feel... I don't know, whatever... Whatever it is, I... I want to die! Oh, I'm terribly sorry. That's not correct. You didn't beat the Reaper. Doctor, bring the patient out and show the amphitheater audience and all the folks at home just what he's contracted. According to my careful prosthesis, this man has the plague. Thank you, Doctor. You're welcome. You've got the plague. Well, isn't he a good sport? We'll be back in just a moment with our next patient, but first... Everybody wants the plague. 
Everybody wants a plague, right? That's right. Now listen, yeah, the erection, uh, I, I, uh, the election, the the upcoming erection, the upcoming erection. Yes, yes. Uh huh. Talk about your uh, line of uh, bumper stickers and T-shirts and other items which are directly related to the not insane campaign that originated originally many years ago, but that you have updated for the the modern times. Right. We well, not insane first appeared in 1972. And then it became an election slogan during Campoon 76, uh, which right. was this giant cross-country thing that a tirebiter ran for vice president. George Tirebiter's still around, isn't he, Dave? Oh, George is, uh, George, yes, but he's not running anymore. He's slowed down, but- He's walking. He's, he's walking. He's limping. Right. So <laughs> so a year ago, just about a year ago, uh, we we- updated this to not insane 2020 and and used it as the name of a fundraiser for one of the major local uh charitable organizations uh, and you either liked it or you didn't you know uh, but that's what it was <laughs> and we made four thousand dollars for hearts and hammers Oh, that's wonderful. And that was, they are people who go and repair your house or your deck or your roof or oh. whatever it is. Very important. They're, they have contributed all of their money this year to the uh, uh, Good Cheer Food Bank. Wonderful. Which is feeding a lot of people here. So we held on to the Not Insane 2020 idea and felt that we could, if we uh, had bumper stickers, that would, you know, that would just not advertise anybody for president. Just be not insane about the whole right. thing. Right. I've been promoting this in uh, Planet Proctor by printing copies of, of what you can get of the not insane and also Maniac. What, tell me about the Maniac line. Well, Maniac was a Make America Not Insane Again campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this actually came to Judith as we were going, you know, as we'd sit across the table yeah. and, and talk about whatever business we got going. And uh, she said, look, and she, she was writing this down. It says, Make America Not Insane Oh, look, it spells maniac. And we said, oh, that's great. Why, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. <laughs> and so, you know, just to play around and have fun with all of this. David, we first met uh, in 1976. That's right. I was working at a radio station in New York, WRNW. And uh, we became the official campoon station mm -hmm. for your election in 1976. And not insane. Yep. And I'm wondering now, after all these years, not insane in this election year in 2020, couldn't be more prescient, like beat the reaper. It's amazing how the fire sign called it. Well, you know, these, yeah. these, these words, these phrases have, have really entered the language now. That's true. And it is, you know, after 50 years, which Electrician came out 52 years ago, uh, these phrases, which we created in a muddle of pot smoke and good cheer and, and having Presidente to go Brandy. Oh, right. El Presidente. I love that brandy, man. El Presidente. And, and uh, you know. Well, we're futurists. We're, we're futurists. We're okay. Yeah, Presidente yeah, is the right word. Yeah, when we wrote together, uh, Dave, this is Phil Austin and Peter Bergman, who are unfortunately no longer with us, although I'm sure they're you know, uh, uh, in, uh, laughing at us <laughs> somewhere. Uh, the four of us, 
with, we're the Fireside Theater. We're all fire signs for people who don't know who we are. Uh, you can visit our website, firesidetheater.com, find out more about us. You can hear our work 24 7 on, uh, uh, online. And then there's a new collection, Fighting Clowns of Hollywood, which is available from Bandcamp. And it is another eight hours or so of our middle period of 79, 80, 81. There are huge Roxy shows, uh, Fighting Clowns, the musical. I mean, we were at, we were extraordinary during those three or four years going into the 80s. Gosh, we were all, we were so busy and so creative, and and we were really working tightly together, feeding off of one another like old jazz musicians. Yeah. And we we had a lot of training on the radio, sitting around a table playing together, you know, making one another laugh with an audience usually sitting on the floor around us, and and it it really. It, it, it sharpened us to such a, a, a point that it was very easy for us to write together, to put things up on their feet, to costume them, to, you know, perform them. And, uh, and it was a tremendously creative time for all of us. That's when Ben Bland first came on the stage. Yeah, the all-day matinee on, on uh, TV. Yeah, Ben uh, had a drinking problem, but he sure knew how to uh, find these great old movies. <laughs> Sarge, <coughs> they're dropping whistles on us again, Sarge. I don't know, kid. It's really dangerous out <coughs> here. Oh, oh. Uh, it's really serious. Yeah, now. listen. The what colonel the... said. <coughs> the colonel said we were going to have to take that whistle before dawn. Oh my God! Oh, here it comes again. Now they're frying bacon. Ah, <laughs> uh, is that one hell of a movie? Well, this is Ben Bland, and you're watching. Bacon Rind on the Whistle Front with Sid, uh, Sid, Shree, Sid Caesar and Kelly Lang on Ben Bland's All Day Matinee. And uh, let's see here. Attention, aliens. Uh, marrying an animal can mean citizenship for you. Listen to these success stories from your U.S. Animal Husbandry Service. Uh, Filipino housemaid Janet Bangalong left uh, Manila to marry a prize-winning boar. And now he's dead, and she's an American citizen living off the fat of the land. So if you're a foreign people... Who'd like to put on the dog? This could be the biggest day of your life. Just send a picture of yourself or someone who looks just like you to Department A.H. Barnes C. Crabapple, Maryland. That's uh, Born Free uh, Marine Land. And now, this is the midst of the disillusionment and heartbreak season. And with a recent outbreak of that suicidal strain of despair up in Boston, well, you'd better keep a close watch on your emotions. So remember the seven danger signals of depression. As a general and lasting feeling of hopelessness, inability to concentrate, loss of self-esteem, fear of rejection, misdirected anger, feelings of guilt, and extreme dependency on others. At the first sign of these symptoms, friends, follow these simple rules. Keep working, drink as much as possible, and take your television's advice. And you know, more TVs recommend an amazing new psychic breakthrough than any other. And that's confidence in the system. Fast safe and guaranteed by constant federal control, confidence in the system will keep them in power longer, 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 and tend to come and obscure the miseries of disillusionment and despair. Confidence in the system. An easy-to-swallow propaganda form, a new fast-acting thought control. So have some today.
<laughs> How is Ben? Oh, Ben. Ben was created one night when uh, I, we had to record something for this interim album, Just Folks, uh, which was made up actually of pieces from an old radio programs. And, uh-huh. uh, so, and so we gave it a continuity by pretending that we were in the control room of 60 Minutes. And so you, you heard everything from roll tape to, you know, to the theme of the music and then going to the, as if we were listening from the control room. It was a really cute idea. Uh, yeah. And, and on the, when the flip side of the record, uh, Ben appears. And, uh, and with him, I have to record this, and Proctor comes in with a bottle of something. I think it was El Presidente. Brandy. And, and I said, okay, okay, I, I'll do this. I'll, I'll do this drunk. We'll just get him drunk and see what happens. Yep. And yep. that is what that was, that recording session. It was very funny. That was the original uh, Ben. And then Ben appeared on stage um, doing the all-day matinee. I remember Ben's sponsor was uh, Tudor Nightmare Village where the armed mice yeah. were protecting you. <laughs> Was that all part of a drunken... I, 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 I don't remember. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it sure did sound uh, very tight. Well, David is a method actor, and there's a method to his madness, yeah. or a madness to his method. We haven't there really was figured that, that out. Sure. I think that was the only time that we ever resorted to alcohol to improve a performance. That, was, uh, that is once, true. Once was enough. I think it worked. Yeah. Ben always carried around a coffee cup um, when, yeah. he, when he was on, <laughs> and he would sip his coffee. And You know, he was yeah. based on Ben. What's his name? He was based completely on an L.A. Uh, guy who was like on Channel 11, 12, and 13, you know, all night. It's exactly where Phil, Phil got... Uh, Ralph Spallsport. Yeah. In those old days when there were only seven stations or whatever it was. That's right. And usually you only watch three of them, you know, and the, the three main ones, CBS, ABC, and NBC. You know, I just listened to a, uh, on YouTube, uh, for some research on another podcast about the SLA and the, and the, the, the ultimate showdown in Los Angeles, with the, sh- the shootout, which was the first emergence of a SWAT team. Is and it was right? the first time minicam television technology was employed and used nationally. So the attack on that house in South Central that had the SLA members in it was broadcast live nationwide for the first time. Oh. I remember it very well. But on YouTube, you can see what is essentially a 30 to 40 minute uh, piece of ABC, the local ABC affiliates, coverage and newscast with all the commercials from 1974 it's a time capsule it is remarkable to see what those newscasters were wearing uh let alone saying and it's just you know it's really amazing youtube has become this time capsule this alternate reality where it transcends time and space and you can really go see anything i went to see an obscure show at a club called Max's Kansas City in 1976. Oh, yeah. T- did we play you know, Max's? Uh, I know Peter and I did. Yeah, you, you did and Pete did. No, the fire sign did. I saw you at the bottom line back in that during those days, yeah, too. The, the bitter end and the bottom line or the bitter line and the bottom end. I can't even remember it. I went on the tip of my roommate who was the booker at Max's, said that David Bowie was showing up to see some new band, with, and he was going to go with David Byrne. So I went down to see what yeah. was up. And uh, it was a hot night. 
all I knew was some band out of Ohio that Chrissy Hind of the Pretenders had uh, friends of and was going to help out, but no one knew anything. But Bowie was interested in possibly producing their debut album, and suddenly these guys come running out in yellow rain slickers and take the stage, and it's Devo, oh, the first show oh. of Devo. And, you know, just to see, I went on YouTube, did a search, Sure enough, somebody had put a tap in the mixing board and ran one of those old black and white reel-to-reel oh VTRs, and it's there. Forward into the past. Going back to those times, David, when we spoke every week on the phone with uh, the Campoon reports, I remember you talking about how Papoon was at a nude beach with a brown paper bag over his head because he didn't want... He was otherwise naked yeah. and had a brown paper bag on his head because he didn't want to fall into the cult of personality. <laughs> well, the real reason that he had that bag over his head at the beginning is because he didn't want anybody to know who he was so he wouldn't be assassinated since they ah, were the killing right. presidents at that time. I yeah, saw you're right. It was originally kind of a disguise... And the way we played it um, was that everybody could be Papoon. Everyone yeah. could run for president. And the, the anchor was George Tirebiter, who was running for vice president. Vice president. With all the jokes attended on vice. And he was having this affair. All of this was in a, a Crawdaddy magazine. On a monthly mm. basis, mm. we covered this. That's right. Two years, three years almost. That's wow. right. In Crawdaddy. It's a whole long story. Yeah. And they were running as part of the Surrealist Party, if I, if I remember. Well, that was the original, that was the original uh, notion. In yeah. That was the simple notion. It got complicated because people came, people who thought they were the Firesign Theater, as sometimes our fans did and do, uh, came in and altered a simple uh, Surrealist party natural n a t apostrophe natural surrealist party to national Correct. to uh white national people's. white people's party i mean it was really very destructive mm. uh and, mm. and and but that's what happens when you let people in and on that, that particular uh campoon we had representatives in you know like 25 states there was a magazine published every month yeah. i mean people there were cartoons i mean people did a huge amount of work and i always considered it to be a a, a public performance yeah. you know a, a this is a it was a populist movement yeah. and we embraced yeah. it because you know uh we we loved our fans uh, as as crazy as some of them were yeah uh, you know, and and we did embrace where we go, but also part of the platform that uh, that Papoon ran on was enfranchising insects, animals, and one-celled organisms. That's one right. organism, one vote. One uh, organism, one vote. Now, here's the problem, though, Philip. When we yeah. wanted one man, one channel. Let's say one person, one channel. Well, right. not YouTube. Right. You see what yeah. I mean? I mean, yep. everybody's got their channel now. We were right, but is it was it a good idea? Would you run on that? You know, <laughs> listen. If a voter goes into the booth uh, at the upcoming election and sneezes on his touchscreen, there's probably a trillion votes for Papoon right there. One and a half million, <laughs> right? You know, so he, he's bound to win, even though if elected, he will not serve, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what Tirebiter said. Yes. Going back to your original uh, point about the nude beach, however. Um, Why not? 
<laughs> yes, it, it, he did. This was Santa Barbara, the famous nude beach in Santa Barbara, where when the train passed by, it leaned heavily to the right. Uh, <laughs> and people rushed to the window to see what they could see. And uh, so we we had we got a volunteer, you know, if, different people played uh, Papoon all the time. And uh, so we got a volunteer and he was willing to put a paper bag over his head and go down to the beach and and solicit votes. It was all incredibly <laughs> innocent. And I'd love to publish the pictures from uh, this, but I can't get them on Facebook because they contain penises. So you really want to back away. It violates community standards. Mm. Yeah, right. I guess that's that's, that's their cat phrase. It got into the Santa Barbara newspaper. Uh, it was it you know it it made it made news. I mean, we got into uh, a Screw magazine. I mean, I'm not kidding. <laughs> and and from the New Yorker to Screw, that's how big <laughs> Campoon '76 was. They had yeah yeah they published a picture of Campoon being you know being uh, attacked by a young woman. It was promotional to the extent that uh, it it uh, brought more confused people to the Firesign Theater. Right. <laughs> yes, I think at that point we were basically dealing with our um, with our essential fans who are now in their sixties, um, yeah. with our cohort of wonderful people, uh, some of who really have been with us since before the beginning. I'm thinking now of Edgar Bullington, mm -hmm. which reminds me, Edgar contributed his Firesign archive to us to the Library of Congress. That's right. And two years ago, that was the big. Uh, event that happened in our lives is that the Library of Congress, after three or four years of going back to them and going back to them, acquired the Fire Signs Archive, which amounted to, at my end, 26 boxes of paper and tape, and at your end, an entire storage area yeah, of, of right. archive. That's right. So that's when it comes down to, you're talking about YouTube preserving memories and all of that. Uh, it's an, it. This is this is a very important archive of guerrilla theater, of, of futurist thought, of comedy, of reactions, instant reactions to news events. I mean, they got all of Bergman's uh, Radio Free Oz. I mean, that's I don't know how yeah. many dozens and dozens of hours that are essentially news and comment. Very very important stuff. And so that's, you know, I, that, that archive, I really think, represents our era in American entertainment the best. Just like they've got, you know, they've got uh, Bob Hopes and that his yeah. represents his era best, too. Yeah, this, is, this is at the Library of Congress. They have yes. a whole vaudeville exhibit yeah. and Fireside Theater is now part of that. But, but you reminded me also, uh, David, of uh, that particular time that we were doing it now. now uh, Ted and I, Ted Bonnet, who's my my partner and our producer of this show, uh, we recorded a couple of things at KPFK, okay, in the in that wonderful new studio that they built that we raised helped to raise money for doing the campoon, uh, the, the Papoon for President uh, movie. Well, yeah, doing uh, the Martian space party. Martian Space Party. There were about 200 people there, I think. And it was covered. We had a CBS uh, truck recording from outside. We had three ca three camera shoot. 
that yep. uh, and and we made a documentary of it. That that film, The Martian Space Party, shows us at our glorious 1972 best. We are beautiful. We are beautifully dressed. <laughs> we're at the top of the 70s, man, because we were yeah. a fucking rock band. Yeah. We were yeah. a rock band. We were. And that's what we look like. And it's amazing, you know. And so I love that movie because it shows us like no other way we can be seen, you know. Good time. It was a great, it was really a good time. And here's the thing to anybody out there who is considering a career in show business, when it all falls apart, get up, figure out what you're going to do and do it because it's all going to fall apart over and over and over (laughs) again. The Firesign Theater, I can't tell you how many times the Firesign Theater fell apart, but when we got back together again, it was just like it had been. You're listening to Phil and Ted's Sexy Boomer Show with our special guest, David Osman. We'll be right back. Hello. Recognize these teeth? I'm Art Snob, and I'm speaking for Mr. Leonardo's Warehouse of Eternal Art. Move the Louvre to your own den or patio with this indoor-outdoor all-weather art. These beautiful paintings are oil on astroturf by great masters, and each painting is signed by someone. All your favorite subjects, bulls, panthers, clowns, hobos, sad-eyed orphans. Look at these, panthers eating clowns, orphans roasting hobos, sad-eyed bulls goring, crying orphans. This is your rugged, year-round art, perfect for your patio or under your car. Here's how to order. That's Mr. Leonardo's Warehouse of Eternal Art at 82 Haunted Shopping Mall Highway in King's Nose. Offer not valid in states covered by active consumer fraud statutes. Call extension 95 and order now before it's too late. You're listening to Phil and Ted's Sexy Boomer Show with your hosts, Phil Proctor and Ted Bonnet, and their special guest, David Osmond of the Firesign Theater. I think we're all bozos in this bus was our fourth album is that correct yep waiting for the electrician or someone like him everything you know is wrong and nick danger third eye don't crush that dwarf hand me the pliers and i think we're all bozos on this bus and the theme of that was the computer revolution okay and the thing that makes me the happiest about it is i have my iphone here and i'm going to get siri and my character clem uh was a a disenfranchised worker. He'd been laid off and he goes into this future fair, which is run by, you know, a whole computerized system. And he plants a virus. He hacks into the mainframe computer, Dr. Memory, direct readout memory, plants a virus and brings the whole illusion of this wonderful world. The government is selling people in this Disneyland down to earth. Now I'm going to ask Siri something, see what happens. Here we go. This is Worker speaking. Hello. Hello, Aklem. What function can I perform for you? LOL. (laughs) That was the phrase that our character, my character used to break into the mainframe computer. This is Worker speaking. Hello. Hello, Worker. What can I do for you? And and, uh, it, it, it shows up on the iPhone because when David and I were both, both did voices to a bug's life, uh, there was a, a cast and crew party somewhere, and I met Steve Jobs. 
He had just bought into the company, into Pixar, to, to you know, to put his, his computer knowledge into the development of their animated films. And I met him and he said, hey, I'm a big fan. I thought, well, that's, that's really nice. Well, when we were going through our archives uh, uh, and pictures and things, our archivist Taylor found a contact sheet of an appearance that we did, David, up in Berkeley at signing records at a record store. And there's a picture of us with this this tall kind of dark guy with with long hair and a goatee with his arms around us it's steve jobs <laughs> the young steve jobs he really was a fan and because he was inspired by our album to kind of you know carry on with his his uh, computer work he put this into a uh, siri as as a what an easter egg i guess you called an homage to the fireside theater I think it's just wild. That wouldn't have happened at the beginning. The, if it, if I think you should tell the story of where we were when we found the language to speak to the computer. Ah, well, yeah. They used to have, they still do, but not as often, uh, work fairs, which were uh, opportunities for people to go in and, and talk to different recruiters in, in different lines of work uh, and see what they might be interested in. And one of the very, very first interactive computer programs called the ELIZA program was being demonstrated uh, in at one of these fairs that I happened to visit. And there was a computer uh, that you could interact with. You had to type it, and then it, it would type back an answer. And the, the concept was uh, a, a psychiatrist. So you were talking to a psychiatrist, which was really a program in a computer. And it would, you know, type back, well, how do you feel about that? And stuff like that. And all of these things came out of one of the these yellow paper uh, rolls with perforated uh, uh, tabs on the sides and it went into a big barrel, a big uh, cardboard barrel. And I, <laughs> I dove in and I pulled out reams and reams of this stuff and took it back to the fire sign for a writing session. And we had not only the, 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 the language of, you know, the people uh, speaking to the machine, the machine speaking back, but also the code was printed out like MacNam and various other things, which is in the album as well. And it was tremendously inspirational to us and became really an enticement to do a computer-based story. It was invaluable material that we had right from the very, very beginning. The idea of hacking a computer would not have occurred to us unless we were, yeah. had, were writing a story in which a computer right. got hacked. I mean, we wouldn't have thought it up out of nowhere. That's right. I hear this all the time. My dad turned me on to this group called Firesign Theater. I heard this just as recently as last week. My, a friend of mine's 21-year-old daughter has a boyfriend who came over and said, geez, my dad, I'm almost thinking of Peter's voice now, but, you know, uh, poor G. Oh, <laughs> like, Gee, my dad turned me on to this comedy group, but he said you have to kind of listen to it when you're high. <laughs> and my friend said, oh, would that be Firesign Theater? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we designed all those albums to be listened to over and over and over and over again. Timely now, don't well, you think? Not they're timely, are they timely I mean, are people... but the stuff that we did, Dave, uh, uh, has new meaning now because 
You know, yep. the longer that you yep. live and the more that happens in history, the more it reflects on the ideas that we were presenting, which are evergreen ideas about society and one's relationship to it and how to survive and how to develop and what, what a sense of humor means to your life. I mean, all kinds of, of eternal themes. And, and it does. It resonates in a different way when you listen to it today, which is amazing to me. It has survived, and that has been very important to us as artists, uh, that our work and a, and a lot of it, books and albums and hours and hours and hours of radio yeah. and film, uh, we are not just a three-record a, a three act. This has been going on and continues to go yeah. on to this day. Whether or not Phil and I are writing, we're writing. I wrote two novels. One was because I wanted to live in the Hollywood of 1945 and recreate the world that George Tirebiter grew up in. And I knew, I knew, no, you know, so many factoids. And that's the Ronald Reagan murder case in, in which, in which either Ronald Reagan or his double is killed. And we're not sure. Speaking of which, is Vice President Candidate George Tirebiter available to speak to the American public to calm them as they're hunkered in, dreading the uh, virus? Well, I'll check. Just a minute. He's been living downstairs, but I don't know if there was room for him in the cabin there. Yeah. Wait a minute. That sounds uh, like... Hello. 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 Hey, George. Is this... It must be a microphone. <clears throat> yes, you are. Who are you? Ted, do you want to tell him what... Hello, uh, Mr. Tirebiter. Yes. This is uh, Ted Bonnet and Phil Proctor. Yeah. We've met. Ted, Ted Bonnet. Ted Bonnet. I have met you, Phil yeah. Proctor. We've done some work together, as I recall, back yeah, in the years early ago. days of my career. Thank you, yeah. Well, you sound... Well, yeah, uh, who could... Who, who could forget you? I'm sorry. I'm George. Yeah, for a moment. I saw one of your movies on TCM the other day. Yes, Babes in Khaki. Babes in Khaki. I so I so loved that. It was we had Technicolor tanks yes. at the end and chorus yes. girls. You remember right. that? Uh, bringing the war back home. We're uh, bringing the war back home. I remember that song. Yes, Lily Lamont sang that. She was a, a, a great star, and I actually I hated her, but she was my ex-wife. She was a loathsome woman, but. Uh, I'm sorry to bring that up. Yeah, very painful. Mr. Tirebiter, you're running for vice president this year. Yeah, well, I, I would if I were younger. If I were in my 70s, you see, I'd be running for everything since everybody is so uh, ancient that is running for offices. They're either 13 or they're 75. I don't understand it. Where are the... Where the where's the forty year old candidate with with a nice mustache or something, you know? Uh, no, I I, I believe there's, there's a when this whole campaign started, there were twenty two candidates for Democratic president. Am I right? Yeah, twenty two yeah, yeah. of them. Uh, well, if they had formed a government at that moment and said, okay, you clever guy, you know all about medicine, you're the secretary of medicine. And, you know, let's make this a cooperative presidency here. Oh. You know, that's what should have happened. Now we're down to the... Now we're down Two to, guys. Now we're down. Joe. Ah, forget it. It's going to be... It's going to be Joe. 
There we are. And now, so, but the question that you came up with was who's going to be vice president? And I think I would have made a very good candidate some 50 years ago because I would have not lived in Washington, D.C. I would have continued my life as a Hollywood star. People would have have admired me on the screen and uh, they would think highly of Hollywood, I believe, because I represented the Well, I was having a terrible affair at the time. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I, maybe it wasn't what I should have done. You know, George, if, if there if there had been reality television when you were a star, yeah. then they could have made a show about your horrible relationship and your divorce and everything, and you might have become president. Oh, my goodness. Is that what it took? That's all it takes. Um, well, I, I appreciate your, your concern for me since I... I'm approaching a hundred now, wow. but uh, my my old friend Norman Corwin uh, surpassed my age. I believe that he he, he lasted until he was a hundred and two. That's right. And uh, so I have my goals, and uh, right now I would just cheer on everyone to vote not insane in this election. Not insane. Mr. Tirebiter, I I think that your vitality represents the best of the Democratic Party today. I I don't see that you're out of sorts or too old at all. I think you're fitting right in. With all the wisdom and time you've had to look and assess the world and try to change it for the better, what would you say to the world now to comfort them? What would I say to comfort them? Well, I, I believe in, I think, the most comforting possible word that you could say is love. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would extend that love as a prayer across the entire world at this time. And I would uh, wish that everyone stay with their own minds, meditate, think not about the pain in the world, but about the health of the world and about the world as it will be when we are not going to be terrified every moment. And I and I and so I send my prayers out to all of you and I am praying for you now. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Tirebiter. That's a beautiful point to to end on, I think, Ted. And to comfort myself, George, I'm gonna go have a sip of Southern Comfort. Yes, I think that's a very good idea. <laughs> I, you were. I think, Mr. Bonnet, I appreciate you getting me, well, sort of out of bed to do this, but... Uh, uh, My pleasure. It, Would you come back and join us? I think we need these kind of messages. I, I will be happy to appear again good. anytime you, you like. All we right? need you, George. Right now, I'll, I'll say goodbye now. Ta-ta. Have a nice nap. Wow. Uh, that George, he's still an amazing guy to me. Thank you for taking care of him. I know he needs a uh, he needs a little um, caretaking right now, and a, he does a little. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful. Going to go upstairs and put on a mask and watch television. <laughs> David Osman, thank you so much for coming to the Sexy Boomer yeah. Show. Will you will you come back, please? I will be glad to. Thanks, Ted uh, and Phil. Uh, we we got lots to say as the years go on. Oh, yeah. All right. Love you. Love you, too. That was wonderful. It was great to be able to connect with David again. Uh, You know, when uh, 
the our, our archives were purchased by the Library of Congress a couple of years ago. They also invited us to perform uh, in uh, Washington D.C. at uh, the theater that is in actually in the Library of Congress building, and we put together a show based on an earlier Fireside Theater show called "The History of the Art of Radio." And we performed it to a very enthusiastic audience. And that show uh, we have done in various other venues over the uh, ensuing years. So in one way, the Firesign Theater is still doing things and still writing material that changes every time that we, uh, we return to it and put it up on its feet. As we feature little tasty morsels from the Firesign on this show, uh, please look for it online. There's just so much to enjoy, and it really is remarkably relevant after all these decades. Thank you, Phil, for all that output. And thank you, Ted, for your uh, historical connection to us and uh, your insight as to what's been going on in this industry of audio that we've, we dedicated so much of our lives to. Well, let's keep doing it. Let's have another show. Why not? I think this bunker arrangement works pretty well. I miss seeing you in person. But I feel safe. <laughs> yeah, it's safe to stay away from each other right now. I'm going to sterilize my microphone now. You've been listening to the Phil and Ted Sexy Boomer Show. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back soon. Phil, until next time. Bye. You've been listening to Phil and Ted's Sexy Boomer Show, featuring Phil Proctor and Ted Bonnet with special guest David Austin. Beat the Reaper. Ben Bland's all-day matinee and art snob were written and performed by the Firesign Theater. Music by Eddie Betos and the Nervous Brothers. I'm A. Ernest Guy. Join us for the next episode of Phil and Ted's Sexy Boomer Show. Produced by RadioPictures.com, the makers of fine podcasts for boomers. Okay? Hello, Seekers! If you like what you just heard, share it with your friends. If you still have any. And here's a great gift idea. Phil? Thanks, Ted. And, and dear friends, if you can afford a couple of bucks from the money you used to pay for gas, please go to our dedicated page at SexyBoomerShow.com and contribute by clicking on the PayPal button. And you don't even have to wear a mask. Uh, unless, Ted, it's an anonymous donation. You see, our nefarious plan is to build enough subscribers to earn sponsor support so we can send your money back. Yes, send your money back. Not. And if you need any more of the Sexy Boomer Show to survive this historic time hunkered in your bunkers, please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button on this page. You know, every subscription brings us closer to success and forces us to record another silly show. You can follow our Sexy Boomer Show on In Your Facebook to join the conversation and even add comments at a safe distance. Just search Sexy Boomer Show on Facebook. And remember, now more than never, your vote counts. Unless we don't count them. You can always reach Phil and me personally by email at info at sexyboomershow.com. That's right, Ted. We check our junk mail every day. And you can check our website at sexyboomershow.com to learn more and find past podcasts and all sorts of little goodies. Or if you're a twitwit, track us on Twitter for upcoming show announcements and special messages at Boomer Sexy. We're everywhere, like the virus. But we promise not to kill you. So until we meet again, we're going back to the shadows again. So long, little buddies. Where the vegetables are green and you can pee into the stream. And that's important 
We're going back to the shadows again. Mm-hmm.